building? Can I holler if you hear me? They're all sick from the rain. How many, how many, how many youth are so excited that you're on summer vacation? How many parents are already sick of them? Oh my goodness. Like I said, my name is Joey Arbor. I help out with the youth ministry here and I help out with the worship department. And I know what you're thinking. The youth guy's speaking. Well, that can mean only one of two things. That the youth ministry here at the Awakening Church is flourishing and growing and doing amazing things or the seniors on vacation. And I'm here to tell you, it's both. So <laughs> I'm just really glad to be speaking to you guys. I'm always so nervous to speak to adults. And it's been a rough week just getting here in general. I mean, this week... I, I, I found out a tragic thing that I, I'm allergic to dogs and cats, and I myself have two dogs. And my wife, when I told her, you know, we had these two dogs, and I have to get rid of the dogs, she was just like, or we could just get rid of you. One of those, you know, I don't know. It seems easier. It says, there's one of you, two of them. I mean, you're kind of outnumbered. But summer's in gear. I know that the students are, are, are pretty stoked to be out of school, and your parents are too. How many of you guys, like, how many of you parents sometimes just get embarrassed of your kid in public places? You ever have that? Now, I know how many of you guys, maybe you're like me and you're in my situation, how many wives you get embarrassed of your husband in public places? <laughs> a lot more hands getting up, right? I do this to my wife a lot more. I feel like probably the, the urge for her to have children has kind of been pushed off because she has me, and, you know? And, uh, and sometimes I feel like I embarrass her. In fact, I was telling you guys I had a pretty rough week this week, for you guys that know, uh, I got a call that one of our TVs was smoking, and so we decided, let's just not turn that one on this week, you know? I don't, I don't feel like it. We had a ministry that was running in here, and they said, the TV's smoking, and when I came in here, they said, like, yeah, it's smoking, making funny sounds. We didn't want to touch it, so can you touch it? Ah, I don't know about that. The week I'm having, I'm supposed to be preaching, not today, Satan, not today. And then on that, of course, I was really sick out of nowhere, and then uh, this week, though, was an awesome week because uh, this week was my wedding anniversary on Thursday. Yes, three years. Thank you very much. You know what they say about three years? It's the fourth year that's the hard one. You know, it's the fourth year that gets it. And this week, uh, this week, my wife decided uh, she was going to plan our anniversary this uh, this last week on Thursday, and it was awesome. We had uh, some amazing, our amazing team in youth cover the high school ministry, and I thought maybe this is something I really need. Like God needs to recharge me. I just had a rough week this time and going into this. And so that day that I wasn't feeling well, so I just found out that morning I had I was allergic to dogs. They gave me an allergy test, and the doctor had warned me because here's the thing. I don't really listen to doctors all that well because I'm kind of nervous that they're just going to tell me something, 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 you're going to die. So I'm just waiting for that phrase, and I just start to like, it goes like, blah, blah, blah. It starts to sound like a Charlie Bound teacher, and I'm just trying to pick out parts. And he said, something, 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 nausea. And I went, okay. And so I had not eaten all day, and what he said was, you might get nauseous when you eat something today. Had not eaten all day because I'm waiting to eat at the Mission Inn where my wife had planned for us to have dinner and stay at. And so she planned this awesome, amazing thing in our three years of marriage. I thought, this is going to be super nice just to relax. And then we got dinner, and what happened was the something-something nausea happened <laughs> at dinner. And uh, we, it was up till 3 in the morning, and my wife uh, had to sit there and just watch me something-something nausea all night long. And it's not the kind of all night long you want on your anniversary, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And uh, she woke up the next morning, and uh, it was kind of funny. She woke up in the middle of the night almost punching me because then she got a Charlie horse, 
And then we woke up the morning, looked at each other in the eyes and said, well, that's one for the books. And uh, it was kind of embarrassing, too. And so uh, I've, been, I've been embarrassing not just my wife, but I've been, embar- I've been embarrassing everyone in my life for a long time, which is pretty, I, I guess it's a pastime I'm good at. But the first person I can think of, of ever, uh, ever embarrassing was my mother as a child. I don't know if you guys ever used to watch this show. I, I only heard of it from my mom. They used to have this HBO show called Bebe's Kids. And Bebe's Kids was this thing where this, this young mom had these, all these kids, and they would just cause trouble for everybody. And my mom would be told by her family, all her friends, when we would all come through like, oh, there's her Bebe's Kids. And we would just embarrass her. She would give us the talk outside of going somewhere like a Walmart or a Target. You know, you get down at their level to let them know, hey, like, I'm trying to talk to you here. Don't touch anything. Don't ask for anything, you know. Don't make a sound. Don't touch anybody. Don't touch your sibling. Don't do this thing. I'm not touching them. Don't. And we go, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. And as soon as we got through the doors, it was anarchy. We, my, my siblings and I would just meet eyes and be like, and just take off yelling and stuff, hiding under things. My favorite thing to do was just hiding inside, like, the dress racks and then wait for a lady to come out and be like, yeah, and then they'd be like, oh, my gosh. And then it was probably an every other trip thing where you're just like, can a Miss Victoria come pick up her son at the front? And I'd be sitting there with a balloon just like, yay, you found me. You gave me a balloon. If I was in trouble, why'd they give me a balloon? I don't know. <laughs> but I remember once, I'll never forget this. And uh, I remember one time, me and my siblings, we were acting up and acting crazy. And a lady, under her breath, said, geez, can that mother just control her kids? And my mom heard it. All the moms are going, ooh. And here's the thing about my mother. You know, my mother is a strong woman, and she really loves her kids, and is a very stern in her opinions kind of way. So most people would describe the mode that a mother gets into as a mama bear mode. But my mom is more like a mama death star. (laughs) And what I mean by that is you're going to need the help of a mysterious unseen force to survive this thing and to get it to blow up when it comes to harming her kids. But in the realization of her reaction, because it got messy. Maybe or maybe not police were called. I'm not going to say. I'm not at liberty to say. I'm kidding. They weren't called this time. I realized in the reaction and her, her craziness and the quick to break a nose kind of attitude, it wasn't because so much what the woman said was rude or unacceptable. It was that my mother's identity as a mother was in question. And I feel like a lot of times where we get into that, whether it's mama bear mode or the stern dad voice, or we get into a a puffed up chest type of way, even in our faith when it comes to other Christians and what they say they believe and what they say about what we believe and how our faith is, we get this way because it's an attack, it's it's an identity issue we have. We struggle with it. And today I wanted to share with you guys something that I've been going through, not just myself, but with me and my wife, with my family, with my friends even that I've been noticing. And I thought this has got to be something God wants, to, wants me to share. And so I want to talk about reflection and just how we can focus on our own identities and how we struggle with it. So I'm going to pray and give credit where credit's due, and uh, we'll dive right into it. Amen? Forgive me, I, I used to work at a Baptist church, so the amens and the call and responses wired in there. All right. 
<clears throat> excuse me, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time, God. We just pray over this service, Lord. We just ask that you just speak through your word as you do, God. We pray that in this time, as we, as we try to learn more about who we are, we also learn more about who you are as our creator. Help us to understand the identity issues we have. Help us to understand the importance of it. But not just understand, Lord, help us to accept. I know that's a word that we throw out sometimes in Christian terminology. But help us to truly accept, Lord Jesus. Not just accept what you say in your word, but to accept ourselves for once as your creation. We ask this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. So the question I wanted to pose when it comes to these things because I'm sure a lot of us, we could say that we're confident in our faith and we're confident in who we are. When we ask someone, who is so-and-so, we can answer with, I'm a father, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm a working person, I'm an honest person, or I'm a mother, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a homemaker, I'm a, you know, I'm a real estate agent. I'm these things, and yes, those things that describe us, but they don't necessarily make up our DNA. And the question I have is, why can't we find fulfillment in ourselves. What are some reasons that we can't find fulfillment in ourselves? There's so many there's so many of the world's offerings are trying to fill identities. You look at magazines, it's about image, it's about it's about what you're doing. I mean this whole social media thing that goes around and the stories, it's literally trying to fill the void of identity. They even use the words, this is your story, show people who you are. But there's a little icon And 15-second videos and boomerangs make my identity? Or is that just taking the place because I don't even know what my own reflection looks like? Because we were created to reflect the glory of God, as Scripture says. And since the main goal in seeking an identity outside of Christ is to bring glory to ourselves, we will never find a fulfillment that will fill that void apart from him. And it's in true of all of us. It's not just in the mama bears, like I said. Where are you tempted to find your identity? Maybe you're a woman that used to find fulfillment and praise in your job, and now you find yourself tirelessly working at home. You have unappreciative children. You find very little time to show for it. Maybe you're a husband that's been blinded by the ladder of success. Maybe you've worked so hard and so hard and feel like you're getting nowhere. You feel that your, your family doesn't appreciate the work you do. Maybe you're an empty nester who's not sure what to do anymore because you don't have people to take care of as much and you're trying to find your identity. Maybe you're a young mom feeling you can't compete with the mom next door that has it all together. Maybe you're a millennial That's it. That's it. That's this cut dry right there. But knowing our identity is in Christ is one thing. But understanding the the way it changes us is another. We can say my identity is in Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We can quote the scriptures. But understanding every aspect of it, the change, the transformation this metamorphosis into every part of my heart, my desires, my DNA, becoming what I should be. That is where the image of God shines through his people. 
That is what started churches like the Church of Acts to set on fire to reach thousands, was people accepting the change, the transformation, the identity that came from their Abba Father through the Son Jesus and through the Spirit that guided them. And so what I want to hear is I want to just share a few ways that understanding our true identity in Christ can greatly impact the way we live our lives. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to John, 1 John, excuse me, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Excuse me as I, I slept in the same house as my dogs that I'm allergic to. But the first, one of the first ways we can do this is one, we no longer chase after the desires of our flesh, but instead seek to bring God glory in all areas of our life. And we say that, we go, yeah, that sounds super easy. Let's just neglect everything else that we desire sinfully, because that works out for everyone. Romans 7, you know, with Paul saying, I know the good I want to do, but I can't. But that's the thing is we need to no longer chase those desires. Instead, seek to bring glory to God. In 1 John chapter 2, we're reading from 15 through 17, on not loving the world, It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Oh, thank you very much. The pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world, its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. You see, if we're not seeking to find our identity in Christ alone, as we sung earlier today, then we're seeking it in something else. And when our identity is in internal things with Jesus Christ, that changes the whole game. You see, it's a game of strategy there. When we say that there's, there's a beginning and an end, there's a time limit, that changes how we play the game. It's, it's like some people putting their hope and faith in, in things that fail and fall away, friendships and, and partners or whatever, those things, it's like strategizing to win a baseball game or a World Series like you would win the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl has a time limit. It's one game, one chance. Whereas the World Series is the best of seven. There's no time limit. It's you've got to earn the outs. You've got to do these things. And it can go on forever until there's a completion and a winner. And as scripture says, God says, I'm going to continue a good work in you until your day of completion. But by putting our faith in things not eternal and putting our identities in that and saying, who are you? Well, I'm, I'm dating so-and-so. I have this job. I do this thing. I, I have a stamp club, which I just learned is a thing, and it's not having to deal with stamps, fellas. That's to do with card making which call it card club then. I don't know. Just ladies, help me out, okay? <clears throat> but those things, we put it in those things, those fads, those things fade, and we're saying, well, for this time period, I'm going to be okay. But then the next game starts, the next season of life, and then we find ourselves empty, and then we start to blame who? Not ourselves, not the loved ones we have. We start to blame God. And I find it so funny. I do this all the time when I find myself in empty seasons, when I find myself in depressed seasons, when I find myself in seasons of feeling very alone. 
I don't blame myself. I don't blame the things that I put faith in. I blame God. I go, God, why did you let me do this? God, why did you let that person in my life? Why would you let that hurt? I don't understand. Show me why you allowed this hurt. In reality, he's thinking, you chose the hurt. I just, I tried to tell you no. He said, listen. And it hurt me just as much as it hurt you. We'll get lost seeking attractive but empty things that the world has to offer because Christ gives us a stable, eternal hope. A hope in the world with other people and a hope with him. The second thing is we no longer fear the future. You see, if we have peace with God, then we have nothing to fear on earth. How many of you guys are very good with change? Not a lot of you guys, I think. I am I'm pretty good with change. I like change. You may you may be a good person with changes if you're you're not a hoarder you're a thrower i know me and josh axine are like that if i see a bunch of stuff cluttered my wife's like we got to organize this thing organize i'll just throw it in the dumpster like when's the last time you used it like four years ago throw it away she's like why my wife still has clothes from when she was in high school and i'm like i'm just gonna throw it out there babe i don't think puka shell necklaces are coming back so we just toss them all just toss them. It's not coming back. Okay? And she's like, no, you never know. And I'm like, it's just not coming back. Then again, I'm guilty of that too because I still keep the fanny packs. But they're coming back. I promise you. If you learn anything from today, may this prophecy be true. The fanny packs, they're coming back. But when it comes to these things, when we no longer fear the future, I know that sounds impossible for most of us. We fear What's next? I mean, especially when when tragedy hits. I know for me, I do fear the future only when I'm faced with the future. For example, like, I'm not one of those over, I'm, I'm an overthinker, but only when I'm faced with kind of tragedies or big news. And I kind of run away with it. In good ways and bad ways. You see, like, I remember when, my, my father told me for my birthday I could do whatever I wanted. And then I, I said all I wanted to do was I wanted to go to a Dodger game because I'm a Christian, and I wanted to go to the Dodger, a Dodger playoff game. And then I had this mindset that he was going to take me to it, and then I was going to watch them win. And because I went to that game, he was going to say, we need to go to every game because you're the good luck charm. And then they were going to notice that, and they were going to bring me onto the field as a young boy, and they'd be like, this is our, go- this is our go-to kid. And then I was going to win the World Series because, you know, someone was going to get, like Sean Green was going to get injured and pull the hammy. And they're like, we don't have anybody. And I'd be like, 10-year-old me, put me in, coach. And then get in there, but because I'd be pointing to the fences, they'd back up because they're thinking, who would put a 10-year-old boy unless he's a, a hitter, but get a base hit and then steal home from first base. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm little. They can't get me. And I would run away with that. And then here comes my birthday, and I'm at Six Flags. So the opposite of where Christians go, because it is hot. It's Six Flags. <clears throat> and I, in the same way, though, I feel the future, like, when I was faced last year with my grandma informing that basically was 
a spiritual mother to me and, and a mother to me at times too in a hard time in our family's life when she faced with the fact that she had cancer. And I feared the future and I began to overthink and began to put a lot of my hope and faith in my grandma. And I didn't realize how much I had my identity in her. And maybe you have that person too. Maybe you think about, oh my gosh, I don't have that much time with my parents or my sisters or my aunts and stuff, the people you care about. And that stuff can keep you up inside. That can control your life and that can, that can start to just take the broken pieces of you, your worst of your worst, and start to make shift some statue out of it and make you some identity that when that person's gone means nothing. It just looks like a mess of a person. And I was that way too when, when I heard that. I, I, I said I was going to take all the time I needed off work. I was going to be there. I was going to do all these things. But if it wasn't for having such an amazing grandma who knew Jesus and knew her identity in, in him, that she said, I'm not worried. I don't fear the future. You see, because she said, I have peace with God. And there's nothing to fear on this earth. Our eternities are secure as we're adopted sons and daughters with Christ. You see, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 14 and 15, it reads, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Amazing to me. That means a lot to me, especially just growing up, always fighting for an Abba, Father. I grew up with with a dad that was in and out and then just out for a long time, still on the bench, you know. And then I grew up with a father that was just learning how to be a father while in the game. And to this day is, is an amazing father. More so than I, I could have ever dreamed. But I truly believe that if I would have just put my identity in him, my identity would have been crushed. Because the bottom line is he wasn't perfect. And parents and, and moms, I'm not just speaking to this because you're the parents of the youth, but even youth, when we put our identities in other people, we also realize other people are putting their identities in us and we've got to stop that too as brothers and sisters in Christ because we will let them down. I know in this room there's no perfect parents. Trust me, I have your kids in my youth group. All right? I'm not going to name names on the pulpit. The third thing, is we have no need to judge or compare ourselves to others when we seek to please Christ alone, whom our identity is hidden in. In Romans in chapter 14, Paul talks on this a little bit in verse 5. He said, one person, one person considers one day more sacred than the other, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to the Lord. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. For none 
of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we shall live for the Lord. And if we die, we should die for the Lord. This has been probably the biggest pinnacle of my change in identity. Because this adds a whole new spindle of identity. I know so many churches and I know so many preachers and pastors, youth pastors, you know, college and career pastors, senior pastors talk about identity. It's always their identity. What is our church's identity? What is your identity as a believer? What do you believe? Do you know your faith? But this kind of side door action here is the biggest part. Because you can't have full identity without acceptance. And even saying the word just breaks my heart in a great way. And I want to tell you why. Because you see, acceptance is just like the love of God, and you feel it like no other. And it's that way because it hurts, but then it feels so freeing and so Wow. That's the only way I can describe it. We must seek to glorify Christ in the gifts and talents that we uniquely choose, as Paul talks about more, and not get lost in the joy-sucking pursuit of being something God never designed us to be. But we do this because we lack acceptance. We can seek an identity over and over again. We can assume different identities. We can try to serve in different ministries, trying to find our callings, but we'll never, ever achieve anything if we don't accept. We think it's not that hard to accept. I can accept my position. I can accept this. It's harder than you think. It's hard because we believe in unacceptance and unacceptable things. Hearing that phrase broke everything that I had stitched together in my heart with band-aids. Every little open wound tied together with dental floss trying to keep everything in. The phrase, there is no such thing as unacceptable things. And you may think, what? That doesn't make sense. You don't know what's been done to me. I know. But the same here. Think about that. No such thing as unacceptable things. The things that have hurt us, the people that have hurt us, the things that have let us down, the things that we, we try to pretend we forget but we avoid, the places we don't even talk about going because of the memories that were there, the people whose names we can't even hear without cringing a little bit, the holidays that we continuously ignore because that person's not around anymore and it's not the same without them, that unacceptable situation, that thing, is not unacceptable. God had it that way in that time, in that season, for a reason, it's that we have a hard time accepting that thing. See, we could spend our lives fearing pain and suffering, or we can thank God for the times 
where he took the brokenness, those things that were unacceptably we thought done to us and accept them and say, God, I know those things hurt and you know they hurt too. But I know you're God. As much as I know those things were real and they hurt. We stop ourselves from our own identities in him because of the fear that we can't blame the unacceptable things. And sometimes as Christians, we like to say we don't judge or that, but we do this a lot. We look at other people that are in the church and if we hear what they've done, we say, I don't want to associate with that person. Or I can't believe they're here. Or we give the the very Christian passive-aggressive answer. Oh, bless their heart, they showed up. And we've all said it. I mean, I've said it. I've heard my grandma say it way too many of times. But the truth is really that unacceptance boils in us. It stops us from saying, God, I don't care about those things anymore. I don't care about the hurt. I want to just be with you. I want to be whole. We could spend our lives fearing those things but then we can trust the seasons of suffering to Christ's great purpose in our lives. And that purpose is to identify with him and become more like him. For me, this was the hardest thing because I ignored my unacceptable things. What's yours? For me, I ignored the fact that my dad didn't want to be around because I wanted my identity so bad to be at the root of everything, not to be you know, a preacher, not to be a good musician, not to be you know, a star, anything, not to find value in that. I worked, and when I thought about those things and why I kept working and working and didn't understand why I had no identity, because at the root of it all, I just wanted to be somebody's son, anybody's, to a point where I was willing to call anyone dad that was willing to take me. Because it hurt to know that there was someone out there who has my name, who once held me in his hands and had a future and decided not even halfway through my life to say, I quit. I can't work with this. And it was easier to blame God and seek identity in other things than to face God and myself and my reflection and say, you know what? Somebody didn't want you. It just so happens the person that didn't want you mattered. When it boils down to that, that's all of our unacceptance. Whether it's we lose a job, we have to look ourselves in the mirror, we could blame the job, we could say it was crooked, we could do that, or we could look ourselves and go, you know what? Didn't want me. But that's not my identity. Because identity is not in things here, it's in Jesus. What if, I want to paint a picture, what if, church, we as people can stop saying our identity not just in our families, not just in our jobs, not even in just what church we go to. What if we could, with a smile on our face and with pure joy in our hearts, the same joy that Paul would say that he's not ashamed of in the gospel, say, who am I? I am a son and daughter of God. 
What's that? Isn't that pretty cool? It's taken me 25 years to look myself in the mirror and go, I'm a child of God. That's pretty cool. And even then, most days I look in the mirror and I go, I'm a child of God. Not the best looking one. And I pull myself down and go back to my identity. But where do you find yourself seeking identity outside of Christ? Where do you find yourself holding tightly to something in fear you'll be lost without it? Where do you find yourself even clinging to things because you're afraid if you let it go, you won't have an excuse? You ever done that? Sometimes I'm afraid, like I, I, I want to share with you guys honestly, sometimes I'm afraid as a young married man, I get really, really cringy. This is, you know, every time I preach, I share one fact. Last time it was, don't pat me on the back very hard. I do not like that. This time, I do not like being asked questions about when I'm going to have kids. <coughs> you're all laughing, but it gets worse. It's, it's pretty bad when you're in a church alone. When you're with your wife and then parents talk to you, like, when are you guys going to have kids? And it's like, I like money. You know, like, I like going places, you know. I like time and sleep and freedom. Love your kids, but I love sending them right home with you. And then I also like the fact that these kids know how to use the bathroom. Kind of, you know. And so when I do that sometimes, I think about the fact that I, I don't like being asked it, not because it's awkward, but my family asks a lot. My mom, very much so. My mom's gotten to a point where I think she's starting to just buy us gifts for, like, birthday and Christmas, and she'll get us, like, a gift card, and they'll be, like, baby socks in the bag. Like, are you pregnant? And she's like, no, it's for, for you. Mom, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. But the reason why isn't because it's like, oh, I don't want to have kids. It's, again, that thing we're holding on to. The fear of me having kids is my fear is I'm going to be a bad dad. But sometimes that's me holding on to that identity. This identity that I'll be a bad dad because my dad was bad. But if I really let go of that identity that my dad was bad and that he was, he was hurting me and I forgave him, and I sat him down and said, you know what, I got the strength to look you in the face because my identity is no longer in you. That would mean the world. Friends, this is something that I want to do. And I hope you want to do. Because I want to see you guys not just be successful in your life with God. I want to see you be filled with the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Friends, I would love in this acceptance to be able to take a seat and not only just sit down and sit across from my dad, Right now, I know sometimes he even tries to reach out to me, but I'm afraid. I hold on to that fear that I'm not strong enough, that I'm not enough. Because my identity is not always in God. I know it sounds crazy because I'm the one with the microphone. But my identity is not always in God. It's in myself and my fears. But in this acceptance, little by little, by walking through these three things, is no longer fearing the future, no longer chasing after my desires, and no longer comparing myself or judging with other people. I want to be able to sit and look at my dad 
say, you hurt me. You hurt me, bud. There was a lot of things you said that changed my life. A lot of things you did that made me not do things. A lot of ways you treated me that I brought into my marriage, to my family, to my job, to my friendships. And so much pain you caused and so many nights where I don't know why I was sitting there crying going, why doesn't he like me? But in that pain I found, in that unacceptance, I found acceptance in who I really was. Before I was your son, I was God's. And so were you. And I want to share that love to you. And I accept it. And I want you to know your grandson. That he may know the love that he, he may never know the pain he caused between us because of our acceptance in Jesus. For now, it's just a vision and a picture in my head, a dream that may never come. But maybe with the help of a body, what the body does, build each other up. Maybe we can get there together. What picture do you paint in your head me talking to what thing, what job, what boss, what family member, what friend, what relationship. The acceptance brings a new identity. Sometimes in God's grace, he allows us, he allows the very thing we fear losing to be taken away so we can reveal that we have sought our identity in something rather than him. I've been through that a lot. I didn't realize how much my identity was in my grandma. And I think about it now. I used to think, we, sometimes we think we're doing good. We're all good. But I remember thinking, when things went wrong, the first person I would talk to wasn't God. It was my nini. That's what I call her. I call her and, hey, what's going on? I had a bad day. What happened? Everyone at my work's an idiot. Not this work. It was a different job. (laughs) Carrie still listens to the messages. (laughs) And she would talk to me and she would coach me and God would speak through her. But after a while, my identity became in that. That might be yours. I want to close with this. In my flesh, I have gifts that are riddled with pride and imperfection. I have desires that often seek my own will more than God's. I have blessings that I am prone to hold tightly to rather than use for God's glory or to share to other people. But that's not my identity anymore. I hope that we can say that as a church body, not just as the Awakening Church, not just in the CMA, in God's kingdom. I hang out a lot with every not even a lot with, I have the, the blessings of having such an extended family, not just in my blood family, but in my friendships. And for you guys that know Ozzy that plays guitar here, I call my brother. We're not actually blood related. It's come to my attention that some of you guys might think we're blood related. I know it's because we both are equally handsome. <laughs> <coughs> That's the case. I mean, we're really related. But, I remember in this 
He was the one that showed me the acceptance. And when it comes to this identity that we have in a family, we talked about how the church family sometimes can do this. And when it comes to loving other people, the hardest part is we don't have an identity as lovers. And we're not willing to listen and build each other up. And most importantly, we can't tell whether it's God or us because we're too busy in ourselves. But our new identities can speak as such. It says, I'm righteous, holy, loved, and able to bring Christ's glory through the gifts and blessing he has given me. Not by anything of my own doing, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God that he loves us enough to take our broken, rebellious hearts because of his sacrifice offered in Jesus Christ. Friends, I just challenge you. I'm not asking that you have that vision now and you do it right after church. I'm asking that you accept nothing less, though, of working towards that. That's why God sent his son, not just to give you a hope at eternal life with him after death, but to share his love to the people who hurt you the most. And as my brother told me, Ozzy said, sometimes that's hard because it seems easier to believe that God can do it. But it's hard to believe that we can do it, even with God in us. So as we close out today, as we sing this song, let us declare how great God is. His promises of taking us home, but also the promise that we can impact people and that he chose us. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry sometimes, God, for just relying on my my own selfish ways. I'm sorry for the fact that God, I, I that I, I I turn away from you so often, and then when I get lost, I I exclaim to you, "Where are you?" As if you were the one that left. God, sometimes we forget about how great you are. And sometimes we need to just come back to your presence. And as your creation, man, we forget how much you care. Because so many of the unacceptable things in our lives cared so little it felt when they left. So many people hurting, so many things letting us down. We started to put you in the same category. Sometimes because you were so real to us, God, that you were like a person. But we forget you're also God and perfect. Sometimes, God, we didn't come to you because we thought it was impossible for a God that perfect to care so much about someone 
who's so messed up. God, we know in this room there is not one perfect among us.